The path to an Olympic Games for any athlete is a challenge, to say the least. The odds of getting there are daunting. You not only have to be amongst your nation and world's best, there's injury, financial constraints, and of course, there's COVID. Two of Canada's renowned kayakers in Maddie Schmidt and Simon McTavish have endured such the past 14 months, and they've been romantically an item for almost two years and have chronicled their incredible journey on YouTube. YouTube. We welcome both as they train for upcoming World Cup events. Simon currently in Quebec, but not far from Dartmouth and Maddie in suburban Halifax as well. First of all, these World Cup events, are they on or will your next actual race be the Olympics in Tokyo? It's a good question to start off with. We actually just got word about a month ago, or sorry, a week ago, that uh, the World Cup events are on, but Canada is not sending oh. anyone. So we're staying put and just going to keep training. Training in the, Yeah, our next international event will be the Olympics. The vlog, by the way, has been outstanding entertainment, well shot, terrifically narrated, and given your ample expenses in camera equipment and production costs, you've saved on Simon's wardrobe. Simon, it feels like you've shot every episode almost entirely in your underwear. Is this by design? Uh, well, I guess after we put the episodes out, we can see the, um, the analytics and what's popular. So out of high interest, uh, you know, I keep making a reappearance, I guess. Yeah, I'm not judging. I mean... Maddie, have you had anything to do with this in terms of <laughs> producer? I have nothing to do with this. Simon, Simon decides what he wears. This is totally up to him. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a great way of selling this. Yeah. You know what Kayaking. they say. They say so well. So. <laughs> Kayaking is a sport. Uh, the occasional sports fan will get to know every four years, of course, in the Olympics and in between, not as much. How important is social media in changing that for both you guys as you move forward between Olympiads and, of course, Paris coming up in three years? Um, so I guess it's, it is pretty important, um, the personal branding and creating an image for ourselves. It's it's really important for if we're going to reach out to sponsors or have people reach out to us. So yeah, it's, it is very important for, for us, I guess each individual athlete kind of takes it as they want and, and leans into their social media as much as they want. And that, I think Simon and I are, are trying to find a new platform on YouTube to, to lean into that as well. Yeah. I think Matt, Maddie and I are really enjoying um, sharing our journey on YouTube because um, I guess we can share the more personable side of, sort of the everyday and what we go through. Whereas, you know, when you're posting a photo on Instagram or something, uh, it's just sort of a, an edited highlight reel of your life. And um, I don't know, we're, we're liking building, sharing our journey and building a community around that. So. Yeah. Well, right from the get go, we get to go into your bedrooms, Maddie, we get to go into your parents' bedroom on Christmas morning. We get to meet Daisy. We get to see arduous trans-Pacific flights from Los Angeles for you, Simon, over to Australia. You've opened yourselves to the entire world. So the hell with vulnerability, has it been a process buying into this project and getting those around you to buy into this project? Because they're in it. Yeah, well, I think um, we, we don't want to share anything that, that or involve people that don't want to be involved and um, the vlog for Maddie and I is really just, I guess, when you share a more personable side of your life, not everyone wants to show that personable side. So um, I, Maddie and I are doing our best to show, you know, not only the ups, but also the downs of our journey and, you know, what what struggles and 
Although, you know, it's a time when everyone's going through so much right now. Um, so as much as it's good to, you know, bring light and happiness and hopefully joy to some people, uh, I guess taking into perspective, um, you know, training for the Olympics and having a setback and having little problems are good problems to have in the end. So we're, we're pretty lighthearted people and, uh, we love what we do. And I think most of our vlogs are pretty happy and that's, that's a realistic. <laughs> yeah. I think we we're definitely sharing, sharing all of it. And it kind of shows that we're human beings. Like we, we wake up Christmas morning and spend time with our family and our dogs. And yeah, like it, it, I think it, it, this blog is an ability or a platform for us to show our whole human side of us, like that we have other interests and we have other, we're, we're not just athletes. We're not just machines. Like we, we have a, uh, real lives and, and we want to show that and share that just as much. My favorite episode perhaps was Gatineau Park and Simon, you trying to cross country ski. I've done it once <laughs> and I ended up in my ass and that was 35 years ago. I'm never going back there again. You're a great athlete and you made the best of a tough situation. That must've been so much fun for the both of you to shoot because I know you enjoyed it, Maddie, on the other side of the camera. Yeah, I think that whole day, I thought we were going up to Gatineau Park for maybe an hour. We were up there for almost three hours. We both got sunburned. I was scream laughing the whole time. It was so much fun. <laughs> Will you do it again, Simon? <laughs> no. I loved it. I loved it. I guess we're both we're both competitive people, and Maddie's been doing it forever. So, I guess she thought we were going to be out there for you know twenty minutes before I gave up, but I was determined <laughs> to beat her. So that's a uh, that helps. <laughs> the vlog's been interesting to watch for many reasons. I know it hasn't been easy, Maddie. You were training in you know just north of Victoria and Shawnigan Lake, and uh, twelve thousand miles away, or at least kilometers away in Australia. Simon, you were there logistically putting this vlog together. In that one episode where you're, you're simulcasting on each side, it was such a great comparison, uh, right from getting out of bed, making coffee and doing all you had to do. But logistically, how, how tough was that to put that, that show together? That one, was, that one was pretty tough in terms of editing and sharing. I mean, the, the, the nerdy side of it, sharing the files with each other and sharing clips. We, we had an iCloud going and we were sharing the XML link back and forth. Mm -hmm. So logistically, it just took a lot more time. Um, but I think it was a great way, especially because we were so far apart, it was such a great way for us to work together on a project. So, so working through that long distance relationship for those few months, like it gave us something to work on together and, and work as a team so that it, it was really, that was a really fun one to put together because we had so much to talk about when we were FaceTiming. That one was good because it started off really hard and it only got easier. Like when we got together, like logistically putting these things together, we can both work on it. I can hand it to Maddie and we have our input without any time change, no lag, and we can film each other. But yeah, that was that was quite a challenge and now they've just gotten easier and more fluid and sort of more natural to do. And I think it shows coming off as they get better. We can really um, draw our personality more. Maddie, you grew up in Ottawa, Britannia, right near the Ottawa river, a product of a very talented gene pool, namely your mom and dad, Louise and Brent. You had a good launching point in life and we're not just your parents. I mean, extended family to get you set up and go gene pool and not you've had facilities uh there's a reason why you're here i know you're a lot of the reason why but you've had a lot of help 
Oh, absolutely. I can't thank my parents enough for, for what they've given me. Just my dad was, uh, um, a guy jack of all trades he was good at everything he tried um so he was he was the one that gave me such a variety of sports growing up i learned to ski before i could walk i was uh-huh. doing canoe camping trips all the time with my family and then my that's mom was she, that's why she beat me yeah, <laughs> yeah now i know <laughs> um yeah and my my mom was on the national team growing up so i think the two of them just being such active people just yeah i was i was an athlete right off the bat. So yeah. yeah, definitely. So grateful for for them. And before we get to you, Simon, because uh, your story is interesting, Maddie, uh, you've got cousins, Jared and Hannah, who are on the uh, ski cross team and hopefully going to Beijing. That's a crazy sport where they come down a mountain, I think, for a stride. And it's so much fun to watch. And it's great for television. You can see why the sports in the Olympics, your uncle Blaine, who I figured when I saw a picture of your dad, and I'm going North Bay. He's got to be related to Blaine Schmidt, a uh, you know, long time, great football player, Vanier Cup winner in 84, Guelph Grey Cup champion with the Argos in 91. I mean, it all comes to place. And, and your mom, I and mean, she's the highest ranking woman ever in the history of Ottawa Fire Service. Uh, there's a ton of motivation, isn't there? And, and that has to have impacted the way you've moved along day to day. Absolutely. I think like I'm surrounded by these these high performing individuals. And I think it's just something that's so normalized for me. So I think just growing up, I saw Olympic, I, I was watching the Olympics with my mom and I said, like, I want to do that. And it, it, it never wavered. There's never, nobody ever doubted me. It was like, I grew up in an environment where I was like, yeah, sure. Like dream big, do it. You know, just because I was surrounded by such high achieving individuals. So yeah, I'm very fortunate to have these incredible people around me all the time. Simon, you're an Oakville, Ontario product of vibrant water sport community in its own right, but your introduction to the sport doesn't come to Australia and you're following your older brother into the sport. Take us back to that time. Yeah, so I grew up in Oakville, Ontario until I was 10, where I moved to Australia with my family and I, I began kayaking. I followed my older brother into the sport, you know, as younger brother do. You do, you look up to your older brother and I guess around the age of 16, I I started competing and working my way up the the ranks in Australia until I started competing at the senior international level for Australia. And uh, something about it just felt wrong. And, you know, I'm Canadian born and bred and I've always felt that way. So, you know, it was really my dream to, to move to Canada to compete. So I guess when I got to a stage where I was good enough and my results allowed, it opened up the door for me to be able to move back and compete for my country of birth. So in, tw- in 2019, I did that and um, I raced yeah, my first year internationally for Canada in 2019, where in my K4 500 with three of my teammates, we qualified four spots for the games in Tokyo. And soon after that, I started talking to Maddie a bit more and on, on we went from there. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get to that shortly. <laughs> but you you were a renowned athlete in Australia. And I mean, the World University Games in Hungary, a couple of golds, a silver. Uh, the year before, uh, finalist uh, in the World Senior Men's over, I think, in Romania. I'm doing my research. I kept thinking of Kaylee Humphreys and the controversy with the Canadian bobsled team when she opted to go to the United States uh, just a couple of years ago, around the same time. Was there ever a mixed feeling like that? Did you get those vibes from at least Australia or some of your teammates before you made the decision to come back home? 
Yeah, well, it's not really an easy decision to make, um, especially having grown up in the sport there. You know, I guess they, they poured a lot into me and I developed as an athlete there until um, 2018, where I really had my breakthrough year in terms of posting some international results. So um, at the end of the day, there's always someone behind you, mm-hmm. like who's going to be happy to take your spot. And, you know, maybe there's a teammate who's disappointed that you're not going to be training with them, but you got to do what's best for you. And, you know, I've always really wanted to come to Canada and I have no regrets and that's what was best for me. So either way, I guess sports a cutthroat environment. So no matter where you go, someone's going to be happier or sad you're there or not there. <laughs> Maddie, you've been a part of the national program for almost a decade. Uh, 2013 had to be your breakout year as we reflect back on the experience and success you had in Montreal. Did it feel like a breakout year for you as you, you were able to move it up as far as uh, the junior ranks and, of course, into the senior women's ranks that uh, we see you in now? Yeah, absolutely. It was a it was a really big year for me. I mean, I was I was a pretty big, talented, uh, younger athlete. So mm-hmm. it was my last year as a junior athlete, and winning a medal at Junior Worlds and having an opportunity to race at the Senior World Cup Tour. It was definitely um, a huge year for me, and and really put me on the international stage. And it just made me hungry for more. So even after a few setback years after that, I always knew I wanted to get back to that high performing, high level senior team status for sure. You were honored as the first recipient of the Lucy Slade Memorial Award at those championships. What made it so special for you? Because it's a neat story. Oh, that's, I'm so glad you're bringing this up. Yeah, that was an incredible, incredible uh, honor for me to win that one. So Lucy Slade was a family friend who had recently passed away from skin cancer and she was on the national team when she was, younger, um, incredible person, very close family friend. Um, and they, um, created a, a trophy, the K one, I think it's juvie. So you 18 women's thousand meter race at nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this beautiful, uh, marble slab and it's massive and it's so heavy, <laughs> but I had the, the honor of, of winning that race and, and yeah, winning it, winning this trophy for, for the first time. And yeah, it definitely, that one meant a lot for sure. Um, she was an incredible woman and has a, has two beautiful boys and yeah, incredible. Simon, you cited Australian paddling great Murray Stewart as your biggest influence. Why so? Um, <clears throat> he really just helped my development through the sport. So he helped me jump, bridge the gap between, I guess, being a junior paddler and being competitive internationally. So I guess it was a few years of training with him um, really just helped me get better. And I think that, you know, having strong athletes, whether it's in your club or in your system, like having somebody to chase and like visibly being able to see how you want to paddle or a goal, your goal um, in like a physical representation in front of you really just helps you go after that. And um, yeah, it's just great. So that was uh, my paddling influence well, Maddie, what, what's the impact of being on the water with Simon and, and trying to navigate his wash? And I'm, I'm not talking laundry here. I think, I think with, uh, with wash riding, just to explain it, it would be the kayaking equivalent of drafting on a, uh, for mm-hmm. cyclists. So yeah. it's where you ride the wave somebody kicks off instead of being behind 
um, eliminating wind resistance. Yeah. Yeah. So Simon is a big, a big guy and kicks up a big wave. So as you can imagine, the heavier you are, the more displacement you have in the water, the bigger the, your wash is or your, the wave, the wake you kick up. So um, when Simon and I were training together while we were in quarantine and we didn't have other teammates around, um, I was, we were leaning on each other as, as teammates and, and training partners. So for our long steady wash rides and a lot of tough sessions we would do, he would paddle, kick up his wake. And then I would basically ride downhill right beside him. Um, I'd, go, I'd be just a little bit behind him and just sit on this wave. And it, it would, honestly, it was, it's so much fun. I love it. It's still like my favorite paddles are the ones I do with Simon because it means I get to go a little bit faster than I usually would and, and cover a bit more ground. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun to chase them around for sure. All right, let's get into the juicy stuff. Simon, you're back from Australia. I guess you're in camp in Florida. I'm not sure where you guys are. Was it love at first sight? Who put out the initial vibe? How did all this come together that brought you two together as a couple? Do I sound like a parent? I think it's important, it's important to mention I was the first Canadian girl that Simon's DMs he slid into. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah Maddie, Maddie was the first girl I, I guess I messaged, but um, I guess about a year after I first arrived in Australia, I think we, we started to begin seeing each other early 2020, right. pretty soon before, you know, things, things got shut down. Yeah, wow. I think it was at the end of 2019. So in our fall training camp in Florida was when we really st started talking a bit more. Yeah, we, we started, we started seeing each other on, I guess, a casual basis. And then all of a sudden we're going into quarantine together and I'm thinking, Oh boy, like <laughs> what have I got myself into here? <laughs> well, let's go back to March of 2020 and the world comes to a grinding halt. You're both training in Florida as you've talked about the long-term goal or not long-term immediate goal of the Olympics in Tokyo. And all of a sudden that has been pushed aside. What will stand out for the both of you when, when the word came down Canada, the second nation to opt out of the Olympics and, and, and knowing that, your goal, lifelong goal for both you people is not going to happen, at least not immediately. That's a, Yeah, that's a good one. I think we had both just driven Simon's car back to Canada because Justin Trudeau sent everyone home. And yeah. we uh, we were quarantining in a family friend's place just um, with the Great Lakes just behind, on our in our backyard. So Port we had Colburn. our boats on the Yeah. Sorry? Port Colborne, Ontario. Yeah, we were in Port Colborne and um, had this beautiful little apartment to ourselves and we got word that we weren't we weren't going to go to the Olympics. And I think we, it, it wasn't unexpected. We knew it was the right call given the situation. And um, at least for me, I, Simon can can explain how he felt, but I genuinely just love training. So I think I was like, cool, the Olympics are postponed to Oh, year. Let's go for a battle. Like, mm -hmm. get the get the boats on the roof. Let's just keep doing what we love to do. It's just an opportunity to keep to to keep grinding away and and doing what we love. Simon, a two I guess a two day car ride home with a new girlfriend, and for both of you, that's that's really the optimum challenge. As you guys come up from Florida to Port Colborne and and get to know each other. I mean, these are all the little things we can laugh about it now, but the, the, all the sacrifices as you guys had to make, uh, well, a, a big turn in your careers and, and try to regroup. And I guess the other thing is in, in the boat, you're focusing on that next stroke. Everything's just the immediate future, not the big, big uh, uh, picture look. That had to help in terms of your mental outlook, given 
the setbacks that were presented to you and the rest of the world, for that matter, in regards to getting to Tokyo? Yeah, Matt, Maddie talks about paddling and how she loves to train. And I guess like a good point is that, yeah, when, when you're paddling, you say it's just the next stroke. And um, it's pretty, paddling is a pretty methodical sport. And you can't really be thinking about anything else when you're in the boat. It's always the next stroke. How can you do the next stroke perfectly um, in order to go the fastest? So I think it's the most technically advanced sport I've tried. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the reasons Batty loves loves training so much is it's a good distraction from everything else that's going on. But when we got when we got ho- sent home, um, I guess you ask how is that for the relationship? And I think that there was maybe two or three big points for us that have stood out as, um, I guess, make or breaks in the relationship. And, the, and this was the first one. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we went from zero to a hundred and now all of a sudden we're a, uh, an engaged couple and, <laughs> and stuck in, <laughs> stuck in quarantine 24 seven as if we're married. Well, you end up moving in with mama and papa Schmidt and <laughs> <laughs> gyms are closed down, but I know your dad's a bit of a carpenter, Maddie, and there are two by fours and four by fours and six by six. And I saw in one of your pictures, it might've been Instagram, a bit of a rudimentary gym, but it, it worked. Oh yeah. That was so much fun to work on. I think as soon as we got, uh, we did our two week quarantine in Port Colburn, and then we went to Ottawa and spent some time with my family. And my mom was trying to get my dad to get rid of all this junk in the backyard because he had a bunch of extra wood. But Simon and I were like, no, 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 we'll build our gym. We'll build our gym. So we we took out all my dad's power tools and designed this gym. And a week later, we had this hunk of wood sculpture in our in our backyard. And um, the Simon's Canoe Club, the Mississauga Canoe Club lent us a few weights. So we had we had the weights from there and we just had this squat rack bench press bench pull machine in the backyard. So yeah, we we made it work. It definitely wasn't wasn't pretty. <laughs> we were we had to wait for the uh, the weights to unfreeze against the side of the house before we could start cutting them up and using them. <laughs> yeah, nothing like an Ottawa winter. Yeah. Hey, when yeah. you end up going to Mississauga and you build a second gym and you get to sell both these products, it's not like it was going on to you know into a, a dump site or a fire pile but these were pretty effective and i i guess you've got to make do where you can uh was that second gym in mississauga similar to what was built in britannia yeah it was um it was better because so we sold the first one and with the profit we made from the first one the second one we used all new wood which was really exciting <laughs> Um, and we learned from our mistakes and, and changed the design a little bit. And, um, and yeah, so it was a, it was a work of art. I think it's still in grandma's garage right now. We took it apart, but we have all the pieces still. In the vlog, you see how training can get so difficult. You're up in Canada at Shawnigan Lake, outdoor training here. Simon, you get to go back to, to Australia and, and your brother's wedding is pending. You get a chance to go see family or you fought. And then all of a sudden things come down. You're on the wrong side of the Narrabeen Bridge in New South Wales, and you're not seeing, I, I don't think, any family. But at least from your training perspective, you got a chance to do it in warm weather. Maddie, not so warm. That had to have been an advantage, but I guess you adjust to just to what's given you, right, Simon? Yeah. So I went back for my brother's wedding, mm-hmm. um, I guess, as the sole reason, but um, 
you know, a benefit of that was the warm water training. And mm-hmm. like, there's no question that that's a, it's always a better environment to train in. And that's why, you know, on a normal year, the Canadian team goes to Florida during the winter to train. Um, and just, I guess, mentally, all Canadians know how hard it is to sit through a winter. And especially when you have to get up every morning and go paddle in freezing cold temperatures. So yeah, as much as my, my brother's wedding was canceled, I was grateful to be back in some training in some warm weather. And I guess for you, Matt, it's, it's, it's a cliche now, but it's all about layers, right? Shawning and Lake is pretty much open all year round, I think. But hey, Victoria is Victoria. It's still, it's not New South Wales. Yeah, it's it's not warm. Um, they called it, they always call it our, our warm weather training camp, like on the athlete handout they give before we go. It was not warm. The, the weather that we had to paddle through was beyond anything I would have expected. We had ice, we had hailstorms, we had snow, we had a polar vortex come hit us. That was a, that was an episode of the vlog that was exciting. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, the, the amount of layers I had to put on every morning was crazy, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've always been a big believer. There's no such thing as bad weather, just bad preparation. So we just had to prepare properly and it, we got used to it. Now it's just the normal to, to layer up and stay warm. Well, you're a one third or two thirds full, but no, I think it's one third full. Tell me about the three elements that go into one third positive as far as the elements are concerned, because I found it interesting. So yeah, there, it was either sunny, cold, or sorry. There, yeah. So there's this, it's either sunny and cloudy, right. cold or warm or rainy or dry. So there was always one good thing. So if it was rainy and cloudy, it was a little bit warmer, but if it was sunny, it was cold and windy. So there was always one good thing to look for mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to lean into. So, yeah. I think it's a great if if there's a deal breaker for paddling though it's it's a flat water sport so when the wind kicks up it's it's not great warm or cold but when it kicks up when it's cold it's it's not a fun day yeah the wind is the big is the big one we all hate it i I, like in anything we do simon we both share a love for daniel james brown's book the boys in the boat and for those who don't know it's the story of the 1936 olympic gold medalist at the berlin games what resonated for you in that epic story that might apply to both you and Maddie as, as you progress through life and, and toward Tokyo, hopefully in a few months? Yeah, so Maddie and I both picked that book up in, in quarantine together. And mm-hmm. I guess something that resonates um, looking back on it is that when all those boys competed, the world was going through something similar that it is now. And I guess <clears throat> no matter where you are, you're going to, you're going to face challenges and this is certainly a unique one as, as was theirs. And yeah, that book talks a lot about weather conditions and paddling through the snow. And I get, yeah, it's funny looking back. That's all, that's all just happened to us um, in the middle of a, a pandemic year. So I haven't, I haven't thought about that because it wasn't as relevant now, but yeah. um, there's a lot of similarities to draw from that for sure. How'd you like the book, uh, Maddie? I love that book. So I, I read it for the second time in quarantine and it's, it's funny you actually bring it up. Cause that was a book. Um, I read part of it out loud to Simon when he was cooking breakfast. And then if I was making coffee or something, he would read it out loud to me. So that was definitely like a, something we did together over quarantine. But yeah, I, I love that book. It's, it's beautiful. It's such a cool story. 
so many great quotes, uh, and they capture the purity and spirit of what it means to compete in water. Here's one. the ability to disregard one's own ambitions, to throw one's ego over the gunnels, to leave it swirling in the wake of his shell, and to pull not just for himself, not just for glory, but for the other boys in the boat. Rowing or kayaking, I think that statement permeates to both sports. Obviously, you'd both agree in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. That That's a really, a really good quote, because I think Simon and I are both in crew boats. So we have, I'm in a, we're both in K4. So a kayak with four people, I have three people sitting in front of me and Simon has three people in front of him. So when we get in that boat together, for sure, it's, it's all about that teamwork and, and working hard for the, the other girls or boys in the boat. Yeah. There's something that about when you bring a team element to it, like, Mm -hmm. although we, we train mostly individuals, but when you're in a team, there's no, there's never any option to mentally quit. Like you've got three other people in your boat and no matter what you have, you have to do it. There's no, there's no amount of sickness you can feel or, 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 or hurt you can go through, but that make is going to make you stop when you're with your teammates. So it's, I don't know. It's, it's great to have that support around you as instead of just going out of the loan. Well, your boats are 24 inches across, hardly stable. You're also at Mother Nature's mercy. And Daniel Joseph Brown introduces yet another perspective in his book, and that's the relationship of keen intelligence alongside brute strength. How closely related are the two when it comes to kayak, getting into that boat, keeping it on a straight line, and getting to the finish line, preferably in first place? Either of you can go ahead. I think that I think that uh, you need to have four guys that have a lot of brute strength but also a reasonable EQ because at the end of the day, if you can't all get along and push the boat together and respect each other to get the job done, it's not going to happen. So I guess my take on it is you need both, you need the strength to win, but you know, you need the, the intelligence to work as a team and, and train smart and hard. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's, there's a lot of finesse in kayaking as well. Like these boats, they are tippy and, and uh, a slight movement off when you're in a crew boat can really throw things off. So having that attention to detail and, and the finesse along with the, the brute strength is, is very important. Well, let's talk about the intelligence. Simon, you've completed an I guess a, a economics degree project management down in Australia. And Maddie, what you're, you're at Dal and, uh, and taking kinesiology, not yet finished, but what was it like for both of you to compete, be at an elite level and, and still try to get some of that education done? Because eventually, as in Simon's case, you want to get that degree completed. Yeah, I think that, you know, especially in kayaking, being an amateur sport, at the end of the day, kayaking is not going to be your job. Mm-hmm. And it's important to... I guess, pursue other interests and another path in life for when you're done kayaking. So I've always tried to set up. So when I, I retire kayaking, I can be, be ready for the next thing. And, um, I know, I know Maddie's the same and it's always nice to have something else going on. So you're not always focused on kayaking. I think the the way, the way I like to approach it is that, you know, when I'm in the boat, I'm going hundred percent, I'm training as hard as I can, but when I'm out of the boat, I don't want to be dwelling on training and I want to be thinking about, other aspects and having a real balance in my life. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I've, I've always been a big believer on, on having other, other things going on. So I think that's something Simon and I um, value together, which is why this vlog is also such a huge asset to our, 
our lives and and where we're the the things we're interested in because we we it's a project that we're taking as a little side project. So when we get off the water, it's not like oh all we think about is practice. It's like oh let's go take some shots of this or let's yeah and and the same with school like it's not just going out to paddle. You come home and you you have an exam to do. <laughs> so, so the balance is so important. Yeah, time management. Maddie, I, I read that you once said, and I love this quote, the real workout starts when you want to stop. And as the punishment of the daily grind encompasses all of our lives, what's enabled both of you from not punching that proverbial stop button and breathing a bit and just seeing how the rest of the world lives? It's, yeah, I, it's it's so normal to me now. I mean, I've done it for so many years that getting up every day and, and grinding really hard on the water and the gym is so normal that I don't, I, and I love it. So I don't really know what it's like to be a quote unquote normal person or what it's like in the real world. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just a genuine love for what we do. I mean, we get out every morning and we spend so much time outside and, and it, yeah, it's so, so I don't really, yeah, it's just something I love to do. <laughs> no quit, right, Simon? Yeah, I guess you, you stumped us a bit on that one because um, this, this is our normal. So we're, I guess we're, we're used to it. And um, for us, stepping outside of it is the uncomfortable part, you know, doing the, the degree or the job or the, the this or the that. But we do love what we do. And I guess that's why we do it. And you learn, you sort of learn to enjoy the pain and, you know, with Maddie, Maddie's quote there, um, it stops when you want to stop is, I think that's also, you know, where it starts counting. In the sprint, the margin of difference between first and last is a fraction of a second. Explain to me what can fund is and how it's enabled both of you to be on the positive side of that fraction when it comes to competing on a daily basis when you do actually get to go back to racing. Yeah, CanFund is an incredible charity that supports so many athletes across Canada financially because as amateur athletes, we're not we're not making a killing. Like this is we're not doing it for the money, that's for sure. There's there's no prize money. We're just yeah, we're hardly above poverty line really. A lot of us make a lot of financial sacrifices to to pursue sports. So having can fund is, is huge to just alleviate a little bit of that, that financial stress mm -hmm. and allows us to, to put food on the table and, and fuel well and recover well. So yeah, it's made a huge difference for both of us. Simon pays the bills. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I don't say Simon pays the bills. Simon pays the bills. <laughs> oh, yeah. we make the same amount <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, i just get stitched i just get stitched up with the dinner bill i think yeah well, that's it yeah porridge and coffee in the morning i no nope. I, I wrote in high school my senior year at lauren park and we'd see the late john wood training just up the street you know we're at the don rowing club and there's the mississauga club in front street in oakville and and, and john went on to win uh, 76 silver medal. Uh, he impacted Larry Kane. And then you get Scott Oldershaw and his wife, Connie. They're a couple of years older than I am, but they went to Lauren Park High School and the, the generations there. And then you've got Anna Vancouverton and of course, Mark Oldershaw. How vibrant is that legacy in terms of motivating both of you and the, uh, the Canadian history that's so bright as you look forward to competing in Tokyo? 
Yeah, especially like all those names come from the the Oakville, Mississauga area, mm-hmm. and I guess pa- paddling has been a sport that's really, to me, a, ho- a home of home in Burloak. And you know, you get a lot of people when I mention the two things together, paddling and Oakville, they they connect the two, and there's really no surprise when they hear it. So, um, for me, Adam Vancouverden is really the guy who I watched growing up, and. Yeah. I guess he he was a big inspiration, especially being on the on the Australian team. I would see him, you know, going out there and winning gold medals for Canada, and I think that really sparked, you know, not only my love for paddling, but also my dream to do what he's doing for Canada. Yeah, I I totally agree that the those names are huge names in Canada. But I, I a huge thing about paddling is that uh, when you compare it to other sports like hockey, for example the young hockey players aren't, aren't training side by side or at the same club day to day with the Sidney Crosby's and the Wayne Gretzky's and those big hockey names. But when I go down to the, when I was at the Rideau Canoe Club, there was the Christy Goche who went to the Olympics is training at the same time as me. And she's wiping her boat down beside me. So having Well, you know, Simon, let's just we'll let's just continue here, and we'll we'll welcome her back. The kayak sprints are scheduled for the final week in Tokyo. We've all been accustomed to sporting events now for the last year without people in the stands. As competitors, what are your thoughts on missing some of that ambience and a possibility of no opening ceremonies? Which, for most of the Olympians I've I've met, uh, that's the best part of the games. Yeah, I guess that's what you've always looked forward to when you when you start your dream of wanting to go to the Olympic games is I guess the ambience that surrounds it and um, seeing those opening ceremonies and being shoulder to shoulder with other great athletes. Well, you're back, Maddie, but for, back. For, Sorry. for kayaking in general, I guess we're used to um, competing with not so many spectators. So something to look forward to with the Olympics is and world championship events are where there's going to be more spectators. But at the end of the day, you're racing at the Olympic Games and you're going to go down the line as, as hard as you can. So um, in terms of racing, I don't think, I think we'll, we'll be fine. <laughs> Maddie, we're just talking about no spectators and probably no opening ceremonies. And the Olympians I've all spoken with, the opening ceremonies might be the highlight of their careers. They walk into a stadium, not only with the emotions of what they've been able to produce as far as athletes and getting there, but the people who have supported them. Sammy Joe Small talks about you know, the people on her shoulders that she looked to left or right and so many supporters. I guess getting to the Olympics is going to be the big thing. And then you, you don't worry about spectators. And, and I'm hoping that come Paris in three years time that that will be the new normal once again. Yeah. Um, I mean, neither of us have ever been to the Olympics, so we're not really mm-hmm. sure what to expect. But from the stories that we've heard, absolutely, the opening and closing ceremonies would have been such a dream to attend from what we've we've heard about them, but we also have to weigh in the, the reality of what's going in, going on around the world right now. And I think it's, it's a fairly small sacrifice to make um, if we're going to be able to compete and, and race at the Olympics, which has always been our dream. But yeah, I guess we're, we're hoping that um, in, in Paris, hopefully we'll be able to enjoy the full, the full experience for sure. Well, Mark Aldershaw, Aldershaw was able to get Pampers to sponsor him. You guys, maybe it's 
men's underwear and it's coffee. I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure. What do people have to do to subscribe, to watch your vlog and, and support you uh, in both your quests uh, in the next few months and beyond that? Like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I think that it makes a huge difference. I don't think we really knew how much how important it was to like and subscribe the the YouTubers that we enjoyed. But um, after looking at analytics and stuff, it is it makes a huge difference for us. And yeah, we've got some links in the descriptions below our YouTube videos um, where you can help support us financially as well, which also makes a huge difference. So yeah. Mm-hmm. What about sponsorship, Simon? Do you, do you see a go perhaps? Like, I, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking in terms of the underwear. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm 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 working on the underwear one right now. Yeah, <laughs> we've got we've got uh, Maddie and I both have a um, a great apparel apparel company sponsoring us for yeah. for paddling clothes. They Kobe, um, but I guess they're not too happy when I don't wear them all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> you gotta put them on. Okay, <laughs> anything for the views though. Exactly, you guys get it. Well, a kayaking couple in the midst of COVID, Maddie Schmidt and Simon McTavish have managed to stay the course. Competitively, it's all about the sprint, but the Olympic road to Tokyo and Paris beyond that has been anything but. Maddie and Simon, thanks for the conversation. Stay healthy and good luck moving forward. Thanks, Paul. Thank you so much.